Obi-Wan's hair looks best in episode two and Anakin's hair looks best in episode three and it annoys me that they never have that good hair at the same time. (laughs) That's my my scorching take. Obi-Wan's hair looks best in episode three. You're wrong. You're wrong. I mean, it, it looks fine, but it doesn't look as good. It doesn't have the swish, you know? Hello there. And welcome to a special Star Wars bonus episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. This is where the fun begins. God damn it. (laughs) I am too powerful. How did I not see this coming? You are a fool to have not seen this coming. Uh, I should have had a bad feeling about this. Uh, I am blue uh, and I'm joined by red. Say hello. Choking on my Uh, tea. Sorry. And uh, and also indigo. Uh, Say hi or wave. Either one works. Cool. Uh, and this uh, is a special Star Wars bonus episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast to celebrate Ooh. May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. Um, and uh, also it's, with uh, you. I, uh, my excuse to just uh, do prequel memes, which is, I, <laughs> I, 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 I had that in my head for like a week. I'm like, oh no, I'm going to start out with hello there. That's that's exactly how this is going to happen. I, I need to, to, to represent my, my uh, the, the prequel meme fans uh, in the audience. <laughs> well, I suppose it was a surprise to be sure, <laughs> but a welcome one. Hey. hey. <laughs> yeah, I've scrolled through that subreddit at least twice. <laughs> what uh. about it? It's it's like a daily occurrence for me. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> I bow to the master. So, uh, Star Wars. Star Wars. Heard of it? <laughs> um, oh. <laughs> God, I I don't think there's a uh, larger media franchise these days. I don't count Disney as a single franchise. I don't think there's like a a larger. Disney. Uh, mm. I, no, l- I'm still me... saying it's more like important than the MCU. You know, I I think it's, oh, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, larger yeah. spanning. You know. Older, for one thing. Um, yes. I, I think that the impact Star Wars had culturally cannot be easily quantified in this century. Like, we're going to look back on it and be like, that's why we went to space in 2200. Wow. <laughs> uh. That's why they named the moon Colony Coruscant. Uh, no, um, <laughs> I, I had a, a, one of my teachers in college uh, who was, was teaching us about, um, like, the, the epic cycle and, and ancient, like, epic poetry and all that stuff for for Greece was uh, mentioning that, yeah, you know, America doesn't really have one, like, literary, like, touchstone that everything is connected to in the same way that, like, the Iliad and the Odyssey were for ancient Greece. And he mm. said, you know, the closest thing is Star Wars with, with like, audible disdain in his voice. And I'm like, <laughs> no, you're correct, but you have the wrong uh, takeaway from that statement. Yeah, you're being all elitist about it rather than I, embracing that Star Wars is the, <laughs> the modern-day Iliad. <laughs> I, I, like I, we've said a lot of things about Star Wars uh, on this channel and live streams and podcasts and in videos and in trope talks and stuff. I feel like mm-hmm. to a certain degree, we we are not the people who think that we're too cool to enjoy Star Wars. No. But I also like to think that we are not the kind of like rabid Star Wars fans who hate everything about Star Wars. You know, because uh, yes. like no <laughs> one hates Star Wars more than Star Wars fans. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I try not to be that kind of yeah. person. <laughs> there, there's like a there's a trifecta wherein I think we fall in the middle ground. There is Star Wars can do no wrong. There is Star Wars can do no right. And then there's I'm too cool to acknowledge that like everyone else, I watched Star Wars as a child. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, I, I think we managed to dodge all three of those because it's like Star Wars was hugely impactful. A lot of it is stupid, but, you know, that's true of most things. 
And one of the problems that, that Red, you mentioned in, in a tweet once is that Star Wars often gets kind of stuck on itself and doesn't mm. know how to be anything other than the first three Star Wars movies. And we have yeah. some, some some favorite pieces of Star Wars media that we wanted to share uh, in, in lieu of the normal format of the podcast where we each you know talk about our own videos. We're going to talk right. about some of our favorite Star Wars stuff. So yeah. to that end, I think for, for both of our examples, the Star Wars content that we like the most is the Star Wars content that uses that world and all of the like theming and aesthetics that come with Star Wars as a backdrop for genre fiction. Yes. In my case, my favorite piece of Star Wars media is 2003 Clone Wars, I Will Die on This Hill. <laughs> it is so good because, and a lot of other YouTube, you know, analysis, you know, pieces have talked about how it's basically like it's a band of brothers kind of thing. It's Star Wars going all in on like, war story and that's why it's super cool and super fun and even you know there are a lot of other reasons that i'll explain later but red your favorite piece of star wars media is mandalorian like to, yeah yeah basically um i think that in both of our cases uh it, it's like it it takes star wars and then it combines it with a very specific flavor so with mandalorian it's star wars plus old west like i mean it's really really obvious it's a space western um in kind of the same way that Solo tried to be a space western, but was also like a space heist and kind of was doing a lot at once, Mandalorian is very much just, it's a western, it's in space. This gunslinger, he's a very classic man with no name archetype. He's, you know, you can trace the lineage right back through a fistful of dollars back to Yojimbo, and it's, it's the exact same character every time. It is just that guy, but this time he is the Mandalorian. And... It's good, uh, but it's, you know, it's good because it's this set of, like, comfortable, well-trodden tropes being done in Star Wars. Yeah. And I uh, rewatched not all of it, unfortunately, I didn't have time, but I rewatched a good chunk of the 2003 animated Clone Wars, and uh, that one is very much Star Wars, but it is Gendy Tartakovsky. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's got all the Gendy staples. It's got long stretches with no dialogue. It's got that one move where the guy punches the other guy in the chest a bazillion times. Gendy yep. loves that one. He yep, tried putting it in Iron Man 2, and they swapped it out for something else. Oh, that's, yeah, that's a different right. story. Um, but, uh, uh, real quick, uh, Mandalorian, probably a known quantity for, for most people uh, uh, nowadays because yes. it, it just came out. But for those of you who uh, are, are tragically unaware, Star Wars The Clone Wars, the original 2003 version, not the 3D animated one that just got its wrap up uh, last mm. year. Right. Prior version, unfortunately no longer canon, whole can of worms, don't care. But it was an animated series created in between the release of episode 2D animated series created in between the release of episodes 2 and episode 3 which was basically you know to build up hype among the kiddos for while you know we were on the march to episode 3 it was originally conceived as 3 minute like little mini episodes of just shorts of like different things that are happening all across the galaxy but mostly on the planet of Munalist that's fine <laughs> uh, yep. um, and, and like all these different Jedi in different places and what the Sith are doing and the you know the droid armies and clones doing all cool clones and stuff, and General Grievous, and all that stuff, and it was these little mini-series that, that had, like, an overarching plot to it, but it was largely just, like, detached, cool, fun Star Wars war stories set in the Clone Wars, and the second volume is uh, longer arcs. They were able to kind of bump up their runtime to, to ten minutes a piece instead of three minutes. Um, I remember watching the original little three-minute guys in between the commercials <laughs> of Jackie Chan Adventures on Cartoon Network. <laughs> 
wonderful evenings I spent as a kid watching uh, watching those. Um, but it was so weird because it wasn't like a film because at that point Star Wars had basically only been film um, mm-hmm. and like a couple games. But it was this just like little like micro series and it worked so so well. Um, so if you haven't watched it, it, the whole thing's like two hours long. It's it's on YouTube. It's on Disney+. Plus. Just fire it up and give it a watch because it is so much fun. It's so easy to get into. And yeah. it's just, it, its strength is in its simplicity. And, and then, right, I can transition back to, to what you were saying. Because um, <laughs> it was done by the same guy who did Samurai Jack, Gendy Tartakovsky, who and, is uh, Dexter's such a good Lab. animator. And Dexter's Lab. Yeah. 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 And Powerpuff Girls. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. he's that guy. You've seen his stuff. He's, he's Cartoon Network's boy. <laughs> he's like the most oddly positive person we've ever seen, like in that specific field too. Um, we uh, we we got to hear him talk at C two E two a year or so back, and uh, I was like, oh, this is the Samurai Jack guy. He's gonna be so cool. And he just comes in and he's like, man, I love cartoons. I love making people happy. I love doing cool things. And I'm like, oh my god, whoa! This is somehow not the personality I imagined you would have. <laughs> But like, if you if you've seen Samurai Jack, then if you watch Clone Wars two thousand three, you'll be like, oh yeah, I see it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, okay. it's the same animation style. Fundamentally, it's same animation style, but like also everyone is a badass sword wielding cool guy fighting an army of robots. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's I like mean, what if every Jedi was Samurai Jack, and that's yeah. just the premise. <laughs> and like the, the funny thing about Gendy is. He hates dialogue so much. It's so clear. He's like, dialogue is unnecessary. It's all about the visual language, baby. So, like, there will be dialogue. But, like, I'm not going to sass the the voice acting. It's a little bit choppy. But, like, it's not the point. They'll say things, and then it's back to the action, baby. But there's also so much stuff that is conveyed through animation, and that's really his skill, is in showing a lot of of subtext without putting it into words. So character interactions are as simple as like, someone says something and then the expression on the other person's face, you know, says it all. So there's one sequence in volume two where Anakin lays out a ridiculous plan and Obi-Wan is like, that is the dumbest plan imaginable. I can't (laughs) believe you would do this. And Anakin's like, all right, let's go. And then you see Obi-Wan and his face is so sour, but then he cracks a smirk right before it transitions to the next scene. And it's like, that's all you need to know about Obi-Wan. He will sass Anakin until the sun goes down. And like, and then the next day he'll continue sassing Anakin. And then, like underneath all that, he's just like, "Oh no, this is great!" And that's yeah. it's such good characterization through the animation itself, without having to worry about, you know, dialogue. It's like you will never find a somehow Palpatine has returned in a piece of Gendy Tartakovsky <laughs> animated content. No, no fear <laughs> you won't of that. Find and, and that it, shit here. Obi Wan's characterization in this show is very much the whole. Um, I die for you, but I'll be complaining the whole time. Version. <laughs> it's so yes. good. It's so fun. And like Anakin is honestly like. Anakin is kind of at his best when he isn't talking. This applies in the movies too. Because uh, yeah. the thing is, Hayden Christensen is like a good visual actor. When He's they don't make him talk, yeah. he can sell everything just with his face. It's so good. And like, you know, obviously he's not playing Anakin in the animated series, not even voicing him. But like, the way they do Anakin's visual language is like really good. And they, you know, they, mm. they do some fairly basic lighting tricks like he's mostly illuminated by his blue lightsaber but sometimes he's illuminated by red and then you gotta watch out you know stuff like that like that that's fairly basic but it's not ineffective you know you're you're not gonna be like i wonder what it means that he is illuminated by blue while he is fighting uh asajj ventress in her uh pilot appearance illuminated by red what a mysterious thing no it's you're not like what could it mean but you're not supposed to have to pick something apart in order to be able to appreciate it. And Gendy yeah. does a lot of stuff that benefits from being 
analyze more deeply, but you don't have to to get the picture, and it's really good. Yeah, and um, that's one of the things I noticed on my, my rewatch, because I hadn't actually watched it in a few years, and I, I remember, mm-hmm. you know, like, how all of these things work, and I, I, I obviously, like, got the picture as I was watching it earlier when I was younger, when I, you know, when it first came out in 2003, I was, like, what, like, eight, nine years old? Something um, like that. But watching it again, I'm, like, I'm noticing so many small details that connect various threads and, and hint at various other things that are so cool because it's it's all it's all in those details and there's so much that's there that you can like pick apart and get out of it but even if you're not consciously aware of it you still get a lot of it and it's yeah. it's it's really well done in in that regard um, also uh sorry i think this is yeah. the most powerful the force has looked um, yes there's a lot of benefits to 2d animation over 3d animation and live action it is incredibly easy to make certain effects happen in 2D animation because whatever you want to happen, you can just draw it. I think Gendy said yeah. that during the yes. talk. I, I, yes, he did. I seem to he recall. said exactly right. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because like with 3D animation, there's modeling and physics and it's really easy to make things accidentally look really weird. And with live action, of course, you know, there's a lot of stuff you can do with practical effects, but they're very difficult and there's, you know, expenses and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And adding CGI is tricky. 2D animation, if you want something to happen, you know, it's going to take some time and manpower, but you can just draw whatever you want. And so he's yeah. got all these like super powerful precog telekinetics running around and they're <laughs> actually allowed to be as powerful as that power set would imply. Like yes. Mace Windu, I swear to God, his only goal with Windu was like, I'm going to make this the coolest motherfucker on the planet. <laughs> and it's he's great like, because like halfway through the fight, he loses a lightsaber and again, he's like, doesn't need it. He doesn't no, need it. He's he just punching punch dudes this now. droid army to death with his own two hands. And then when he gets tired of that, he will just force crush all of them. He will rip the bolts out of a super battle droid and throw it at six others. Yep. There's a bit, because obviously everyone's, you know, using the force to throw things around or like take things apart at range. And then there, there was a bit uh, where I was like, oh shit, I didn't even think of that. And it's uh, it's just like this one little self-contained vignette uh, on Mon Calamari, uh, where <laughs> yes. they show uh, our boy Kit Fisto. No part of that sentence did not hurt my soul to say, but uh, the point is, uh, he's, you know, he's using the force and he's using a lightsaber. And then at one point he just kind of like raises his hands and it took me a second to figure out what he was doing. He uses the force to essentially create a vacuum bubble and then throw it at the big robot thing he's fighting. And it just it's bores so cool. a hole through it. And it's, it's like, so cool. <laughs> that makes sense. If you have the force, you can just move the water out of the way and produce essentially a cavitation bubble. And of course it'll be destructive. It's like what a mantis strip does, but in slow motion. And it's like, that's, ins- they could not put that yeah. in one of the movies because they would have had to explain it too much or, mm-hmm. Or, but the visual language of 2D animation is simple enough that it allows to simply communicate complex things like that. And it's just like, that's such a creative use of the force. And it's, you don't yeah. get to see that a lot. We the, saw, um, and then there's like, sorry, uh, yeah. there's a bit where one of the Jedi, uh, like Grievous nearly hits her with a lightsaber and she like uses the force to deflect it and it like launches her back. They yeah. don't do that in the movies. No. Yeah, and you can tell it's it's a panic response. She loses her lightsaber, so Shakti's mm-hmm. like, and eh, just like puts her hands up, and the the force push effect is not very controlled. So what happens is she stops the blades, but then the it like pushes the her force reaction like pushes her way the hell back. And that whole scene is just fantastic. There have been several videos on YouTube talking about how much of a badass General Grievous is in that, because the way that oh. the power scaling is conveyed is that one Jedi is approximately equal to an entire droid army. And then you have five Jedi who are 
running for their lives trying to get away from General Grievous, and yep. they're only able to get away when the best of the best ARC troopers show up with an entire gunship to hold him off. And then, you know, Kiyomundi's yep. like, we gotta go, we gotta go, and the clone trooper's like, no. You, 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 we don't get him. We, we don't go get him. We go away. That's what. Yeah, that's where we running. gotta go. We gotta go away. And then uh-huh. you know everyone except for like three of these Jedi die. The way that the power scaling is conveyed is so cool. And then in the next scene, you see Grievous training with Dooku, and Dooku's mm-hmm. just wiping the floor with Grievous. So it's like, oh my god! Like the the, the rock paper scissorsing of like <laughs> this character is stronger than these characters are stronger than that character is so well-constructed, you really get a sense of how powerful the Jedi and, correspondingly, the Sith are in this show that the movies really don't convey that well. Because, like, look at, like, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon in in episode one fighting, like, three droids in an alley. It's like, are are you guys for real? You're you're the same guys as, like, Mace Windu taking down an entire droid army by himself? Like, come Uh on. Gendy kind of makes everyone look lame in the movies by contrast. I yes. Sorry, you mentioned Dooku. I wanted to real quick rep my favorite thing that happened with Dooku because he's got a lot of good moments, but there's a bit, I believe this is what introduced Asajj Ventress and then she gets yes. brought into 2008 Clone Wars, which is canon while well, this is not, so her origin here is whatever. But when she first shows up, she's like wielding two stolen lightsabers and she's like, uh, yes, the force is strong with me for I am Sith. And he's like, uh-huh, sure. Uh, and basically he's like, listen, you're not a Sith yet. And she's like, you know nothing of the dark side. And he just laughs and he's like, indeed. And then he wipes the floor with her. He I lightning love bolts it. her. <laughs> yeah, he lightning bolts her. He doesn't even sword fight her. He's like, all right. <laughs> oh, who doesn't know shit about the dark side? It's just so funny because it's like, he, he even does the little eyebrow raise thing and his voice actor's really good. He like really yes. sells the, oh, I don't know about the dark side, do I, kiddo? It's just, oh, so good. Yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah, so uh, 2003 Clone Wars, very good, worth a it's look. It's so good. It's it's the reason that I remember the prequels fondly by pure association. <laughs> like, I used to think like, oh, like, the, the you know the Republic era was so cool and it, like the movies are good for memes but like the good story is in the Clone Wars and yep. like that's just that's where it shines that is yeah for for all these reasons and more my favorite piece of Star Wars media but Red let's uh let's let's <laughs> jump ahead in the Star Wars timeline uh, and talk about Mando right yeah most of you know the deal with Mandalorian it was the hottest thing on television it kept getting immediately spoiled because the internet cannot stop talking about things. In case you have not familiarized yourself with Mandalorian, broadly the deal is that uh, the focus character of the Mandalorian is not Boba Fett, it's not any of the named characters, it is a, for a large part of the show, nameless Mandalorian warrior badass. He's a bounty hunter, he goes off and hunts bounties, and that's kind of his thing. Uh, But the first episode throws a wrench in his plans. Uh, This is not a spoiler because everyone and their grandmother knows about Baby Yoda. Uh, But basically he gets sent off to uh, do a bounty thing, and he's all he knows is that the target is 50 years old. And we're like, okay, cool. And then he, he's like teaming up with an assassin droid, and- The one played when, by Taika Waititi? Yeah, that's the one played yeah. by Taika Waititi. Not the one played by Richard Ayoade in a later episode. Mm. I don't know why they keep casting comedians as killer robots. It's so funny. Then again, Richard Ayoade kind of sounds like a killer robot anyway, so it works. Um, anyway. Uh, so they go and they, you know, they get through and they they find the bounty and it is Baby Yoda. And the assassin droid is like, well, shame. And then he shoots the assassin <laughs> droid in the head, takes the baby and goes. And it's it's not like he's immediately like, well, time to throw my career under the bus for this tiny space gremlin. No, no. He, he you know, it takes a little while. But 
the way that that show leverages the fact that the audience knows more than the characters do is really good. I, the, the technical term for that is, I believe, dramatic irony, when the audience yeah. has more information than the characters do because it, it contextualizes things that happen in the show outside of the environment of the show. And that is one of the greatest strengths of setting something in a universe as familiar to the audience as Star Wars. Like, because we see the Mandalorian and we're like, right, okay, I've seen this kind of thing before. I know what his deal is. He's going to be a badass. Lo and behold, he is. We see Baby Yoda. If we didn't have the context of Star Wars, it'd be like, oh no, the target is adorable. No, now we're like, oh my God, it's a Baby Yoda? That's allowed? So... You What's know, he going to do to Kermit the Frog? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's more like, okay, when's he going to use the Force? Like, that was what mm, everybody mm-hmm. was thinking. We were like, when's yeah. it going to happen? What's going to happen? And then uh, I think it's like a few episodes in, our, our boy Mando ends up fighting this big space rhino that ends up kicking his ass, and little baby Yoda's like watching the whole thing with his big dark eyes, and you're like, is it gonna happen? Is it gonna happen? And it happens. He like levitates it a little bit, and we're like, holy shit! And of course Mandalorian is kind of like, huh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) He just kind of files that away for later. He's like, it's funny, there's a thing about the format of the show where we, the audience, know a lot of what's coming and a lot of the universe at large and how it works. But the Mandalorian does not and also stubbornly refuses to participate a lot of the time. (laughs) We're like, we know you're going to get attached to it. Stop acting like you're going to turn him over to the bad guys. And he's like, nah, bounties and shit. And it's like, no, come on, man, figure this out. What, you haven't read TV tropes once? You don't know how this goes? (laughs) So one of the benefits of dramatic irony is, uh, you know, when the audience knows what's coming, you don't need to make them think if it's going to happen, just when. And that means you can kind of prolong it to a certain extent without really losing anything. It's like um, it's like Hitchcock's bomb under the table, except it's an yep. adorable like alien child <laughs> yeah, instead of a it, bomb. It, it turns <laughs> Just into <as> destructive. <laughs> <laughs> when you're gonna sign the adoption papers, bitch. Uh, so yeah. that's fun, and you know they build up that whole thing, and you know there's other stuff going on, but ultimately the emotional through line of the show is this connection between the Mandalorian and the child. Come on, it's ba- we all know it's Baby Yoda, <laughs> the child. She's so pretentious. Um, but I think you uh, mean Grogu. Oh, fuck, that's right. Which is like, I don't mind that his name is Grogu. And it's very cute that he responds to being called Grogu. But at the same time, it's like, come on, man. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Baby Yoda was the best name for him. The child was worse. Grogu is, you know, still yet more unappealing. But that's fine. You know, that's whatever. Uh, The thing is, they kind of have this really good format because the Mandalorian is kind of a free agent. You know, he, after a while, he's actively on the run, which means they can just have him running into people and they uh, really ramp that up in season they, two. They really go for it. <laughs> I'm kind of hoping they maybe pull it back a little because it's really good, but after a while, it kind of turns into... It's the Mandalorian show starring Ahsoka Tano. It's like, okay. I, I, I remember, spe- Red, speaking of like, oh, it gets spoiled immediately because it's the internet. It's it's not even that like, like with Game of Thrones, it was like as soon as anything happened, everybody was like talking about it on Twitter. But like I would be scrolling through Facebook the day after a Mandalorian episode came out and it's like a splash picture with Boba Fett. It's like episode 14 now streaming. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Yep, like, yeah. What the hell, guys? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kind of annoying. Uh, there was really no no way to avoid spoilers except by being the first person to watch it and then spoil it for everybody else. Which I guess is like a really backhanded marketing strategy. <laughs> oh god, I hadn't even considered that. But yeah, you know, it didn't really bother me. I've discussed at length that I don't particularly mind spoilers, so for me I was like, oh, that makes sense, that's interesting. But you know, they are building up some interesting stuff, and 
Oh, am I allowed to talk about the thing that happened at the season two finale? Is that, I mean, everybody knows. Yeah, but I still yeah, you feel, can. <laughs> all right. Well, the, the big dramatic cameo at the end of season two is actually set up very well. I'll, I'll get to what it is. But basically, at the end of season one, uh, there's a bit of a darkest hour and Mandalorian's mentor figure, this badass armorer lady is like, all right, we need to find this kid's people because uh, we can't train him because he's too small. He's just, oh, he's he's too adorable. He can't possibly survive our rigorous Spartan-like Mandalorian training. So you need to you need to find his people, whoever they may be. I know be. someone like, who specializes in training small children into being warriors. God. Um, <laughs> but the, the thing is, Mandalorian uh, very much highlights that people and family are not determined by blood. Like, the whole thing about Mandalorian and the way they describe this kind of Mandalorian culture is that they take in foundlings and then they're they're just part of them. Like, Oh my god, it's the opposite of Sparta. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, and actually, like, they, they kind of introduce these, like, these, like, sect divisions within the Mandalorian culture where, like, uh, they bring in, oh, damn it, what's her name? Uh, bo uh, Yeah, Bo-Katan. And she's like, oh, I'm a pure-blooded Mandalorian born and raised on Mandalore, which makes me kind of better than you. And it's like, all right, dial it back, lady, Jesus. But, like, you know, there, there's this internal discussion about what it means to be a family and it's not about blood in the show, which is good. So they're like, okay, we need to find his people, which does not mean we need to find whatever planet Yoda's from. It basically means you need to find Jedi. <laughs> the Mandalorian does not know what Jedi are. The, the armorer lady is like, I've heard the, that we once did battle with a race of sorcerers called Jedi. And Mandalorian's like, wait, so he's an enemy? And it's like, calm the fuck down. He's a baby. <laughs> um, but, uh, <laughs> you, you know, so she's like, okay, you need to find his people. And then so season two, Mandalorian is trying to find his people. And this is, of course, you know, post- movies there really aren't that many jedi left and he finds ahsoka and she tells him that she's like well i can't train him because of reasons so uh but you know take him to this place and he'll send out a little like send help i'm a jedi signal but uh then again there aren't many jedi left and in fact it's basically her whoever survives from rebels and luke skywalker who indeed shows up in the finale. And the fact that this was a twist after they said, yeah, a Jedi might come looking for him. Then again, there's only like two options and I am one of them. <laughs> it's And people were still like, who's it gonna, do you think it's gonna be like the protagonist of um one of the video game times? It's like, it is not. They're not gonna be like, look, we brought in this redhead that like 20% of you know whose name and I'm not one of them. Cal Kestis, so, yeah. yeah. It's like, wait, wait yeah, a minute, what's his name? Guy. What's his name? Ah, Cal, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they, they bring in, um. Well, whoever they got to do, like, the body work, uh, very good physical actor. And then basically they CGI a de-aged Mark Hamill's face onto him and have Mark Hamill do the lines. And it honestly works pretty well. Like, I saw people being like, ah, oh, it's creepy. It's like, no, if you don't look for the cracks, they're hard to see. He takes Baby Yoda to train him, and that's the end of season two. And now I'm like, what on earth are you going to do for season three? Um, and then Kylo Ren fucking murders him. God, <laughs> we're not there yet. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, uh. so, y you know, it's uh, it's interesting. There's a lot about that show that I like for very basic tropey reasons. You know, I, I, I'm a fan of a simple meal well made, something that I, I know what's coming and I'm familiar with it and it's going to be fun. And Mandalorian is that. It's very well executed. And also, it makes the world of Star Wars feel bigger. This is like the first mainline story that is not about a Skywalker or a Skywalker's like boyfriend or like cab driver or whatever the hell Solo counts as. <laughs> and, you know, it makes the universe feel bigger. And like the Mandalorian keeps running into random cool people from like different parts of the war who had different jobs and were doing different things and just lived in different places. And it makes the universe feel 
as big as it really should. And that mm -hmm. is something that a lot of Star Wars media fails to do. Like, the prequels are ultimately about the downfall of the Jedi Order. It is all about the Jedi Order and yeah. trade agreements. And then the main trilogy is a standard hero's journey. It is all about Luke and his merry band of friends. Like, that's, that's how it goes. It's a hero story. They win. They defeat the evil emperor and save the day. It's very stock. And Rogue then, One operates in a similar space, but it's not quite as extreme as with Mandalorian, where it really is like, we're, we're out on the edges here. We're, we're yep. away from, from the main story. Sorry, Rogue was One. that what you were exactly about to say? Did I just interrupt no, you entirely? No, no. Uh, okay, I, cool. I was gonna skip ahead to complaining about the sequels. But yeah, uh, ah. Rogue One, uh, it, if there's one complaint I have about Rogue One, it's that it kind of, it expands the world and then it immediately kills or blows up everything it does. So it's like, oh, how cool is this planet? Uh, just kidding. We blew it up. Sorry. <laughs> now we can't discuss what that big toppled Jedi statue might mean because it's exploding. Uh, or like, oh, look at all these cool characters and they're dead. Sorry, TPK, what a shame. And it's like, all right, I get it. Um, but, you know, it, it, Mandalorian does not do that. It, it kind of lets things hang. It lets people go off and do their own thing. It, it feels a little bit more like an anthology series where the cast kind of shifts every episode. Mm -hmm. And then the sequels had no idea what they were going to be because for some ungodly reason, <laughs> they didn't write up an overarching plot before they made the first movie. Or they did and threw it out. You never know how much crazy stuff happens behind the scenes. It's still I will the most still, baffling I will decision. still maintain that episode seven slaps when you can consider oh, it in the vacuum. But like episode eight's like, eh, okay, they're making some choices, but the execution's a little wonky. And then episode nine's just like, oh my God, did anyone proofread this? Or yeah. alternatively what happened was, Poor J.J. Abrams had an idea and then was not allowed to do anything that he wanted. It was like, okay, so I made you a five-hour movie. Can we split this up? No, this has to be one movie. Shit, okay. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, it's like, uh, <laughs> somehow Palpatine's back. And mm, <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, I, I think this is a solid thing to discuss because it's like, the reason why Episode Seven is so good on its own is because it sets up a lot of things. The reason why episodes eight and nine don't work as well is because they fail to pay off any of those things. Like, you know, episode seven even sets up Snoke, and then episode eight is like, ah, just kidding, he's actually not that important. So it's like, okay, cool. And then episode nine is like, actually, none of that was important. Now we're doing this <laughs> other thing. And that's the thing, you know, setup can feel really good, even if the payoff later is bad. But if the payoff later is bad, the whole story, you know, it kind of frays apart at the end. So if you look up uh, the episode seven trailer on YouTube, like most of the comments are still from when it first came out and everyone yeah. is so excited. <laughs> They're I, so enthused. I will maintain my favorite film going experience ever was when I got to see Star Wars episode seven on opening night because mm. everybody was just so excited about Star Wars and yeah. there was just pure enthusiasm. Nobody was angry. Everyone was just like so hopeful and excited for this new thing. And then it was good and everyone liked it. Yeah, it, it was it was so fun. Uh, yeah. Favorite movie experience I probably will ever have. Yeah. Um, better than the time when I skipped school to go see episode three on the day it came out. <laughs> I missed Whoa. a field trip, so I don't think anything of value was really lost. Oh. Uh, that was fun. I was a very tiny child. I dressed up as Anakin Skywalker and, I, and all these like teenagers and adults were like, oh my God, what's the small Anakin Skywalker doing at the daytime premiere of an, like a PG-13 or R-rated movie? That is um, adorable. Th was it rated R? Because like Anakin screams and loses limbs. I don't remember. I don't um, think it could be right. Wait, uh, in episode three? Three. Oh, wait. Actually, yeah, 3 is a little more R-rated than the yeah. previous one. So he does get like, a oh little God, set on fire. What is this small child doing at this <laughs> movie premiere? But, uh, yeah, anyway. I'm um, being a rebel against the system. <laughs> Aren't I cool? <laughs> How appropriate. Yeah. Anyway. 
So those are some of our favorite pieces of, of Star Wars media, because even though we can complain about a lot of the stuff that is Star Wars nowadays, because there is a lot of Star Wars nowadays, um, mm-hmm. I think we and can we still unambiguously uh, just be excited, uh, uh, unironic enthusiasm for uh, something that has just been really great uh, over the years, because... Uh, uh, Star Wars is uh, is a lot of things to a lot of people, and that's okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> so with that, shall we switch into the uh, Q&A section of this podcast? Sounds good. Hello and welcome to the Q&A portion of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast, where we answer questions, this time all very specifically about Star Wars that you guys asked in Ask OS Pod on Discord. We've got a, a lovely little group here. We've assembled our our squad and uh, hmm. ready to continue talking about a very um, very prevalent franchise in, I guess, all of our lives. <laughs> now yeah. this is podcasting. Oh, come on. Come on. <laughs> oh, that's oh, so mad. You I didn't fool. think of that. <laughs> she uh, my brother. Amateurs. <laughs> and here... Uh. I'm so mad. Okay. All right, let's continue. <laughs> All right, well, let's ask a question then. This first one comes from Brassius, Emperor of Britain. No, sorry, uh, sorry, I thought of one. I'll try spamming. That's a good trick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, continue. Uh, this one comes from Brassius. Describe our entire Discord in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> Emperor of Britain, uh, what are your Star Wars hot takes? Which I guess is broad, but, oh. you know, there's so many. Where do you even start? <laughs> Star Wars a hot take, man. Uh, how about they did Finn so dirty oh and also Poe? Uh, hottest take, I think that Rey and Kylo Ren probably shouldn't have kissed that one time. Pretty stupid. Done with Definitely weird. Definitely. Why? Weird choice if he was going to die immediately. <laughs> Just pissed me off before you made me happy. But uh, whatever. <sighs> Infuriating. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Um... I uh, I am not the hugest fan of how they characterized Luke in Episode Eight. I I get it. I just don't really like it when they take like the the young optimistic hero and then they make him a jaded, mm-hmm. you know, broken, world weary. I I just don't like it that much. It's more fun when the character the when when the person the character grows into is you know has a lot in common with the original, so you can like see the original shining through. I, I think that's fun, and they really only did that with Leia, which is a shame. Yeah. I, I think they give Luke a little bit of that at the end of episode eight, but I mean, I get what you oh, mean. Oh, at the end, yeah. Um, but I mean, that was when he was, he donned his outfit of oops all death flags and marched out yeah. to face the bad guy. And I was like, oh, God, okay, all right, Chanel fine. boots to go die on the battlefield in style. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, uh, that they should have let Hayden Christensen play Anakin as a force ghost. I think yes. that would have made Kylo Ren slightly more interesting if he was actively arguing mm-hmm. with him instead of just being like, Grandfather, I will finish what you start. If Anakin's just like in the forest being like, no, 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 I turned good. What part of that don't you understand? <laughs> so good. I wish they'd done that, but they didn't. And they did my boy dirty. Hmm, I'm trying to think of what hot Star Wars takes I have, because there are a lot of, I mean, a lot of people have a lot of opinions on Star Wars, so I feel like anything I can conceive of has been said louder and more often by someone uh, else in, in another time and place. Yeah. yeah. Um, Is there anything that, like, really, like, mm. you feel very strongly about any one particular aspect of one of the movies or, like, book or TV or anything? Obi-Wan's hair looks best in episode two, and Anakin's hair looks best in episode three, and it annoys me that they never have that good hair at the same time. (laughs) That's my my scorching take. No, Obi-Wan's hair looks best in episode three. You're wrong. You're wrong. I mean, it it looks fine, but it doesn't look as good. It doesn't have the swish, you know? Mm. 
uh, I'm not going to fight you on this. Yeah, um, see? God. See? Hot take. Let's see. Oh, no. Well, Man, God. I'm really struggling here. Uh, we might need to cut some of my uh, inability to come up with something. Yeah, so we can just move on to another question. If you, no, after the but this one we can on. talk about indefinitely. Well, okay, so here's the thing. I, I don't know if this qualifies as a hot take. I feel like a lot of hot takes are, are, are only lukewarm at best, but I think Rogue One works a lot better when you think of it as a movie about the Rebellion rather than as a movie about Jin Erso or rather than mm. as a movie about the cast of Rogue One. I, I don't know if yeah. this really qualifies as hot, but yeah. the way that that movie operates is much more interesting when you reframe what the focus is because it, it makes more sense logically and it unifies the first half of the movie, which is kind of like almost a space heist thingy with the second half of the movie, which is just a big old battle. It makes more sense when you when you think of it together. Uh, and then, of course, it's hilarious when you put the end of Rogue One uh, along with uh, the very beginning of Episode Four. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but I, 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 this is a, um, this is a, a take from from our friend Nando V Movies. Uh, Rogue One is better if Darth Vader only shows up at the end. Um, oh, one hundred percent. That's another part of that. And again, like not a hot take. It's just like it's a take. So I, I don't have anything all that spicy. Is, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah. I have opinions. None of them are that hot. It's fair. It's fair. And opinions and opinions. Yeah. Yeah. I think the thing with Star Wars is like any opinion that you have could possibly be a hot take to someone. So you know what? I'm sure That's we'll fair. I'm yeah. sure we'll hear all yeah. about <laughs> which of <laughs> we'll Obi Wan's worded tweets about are this his one. Best. Uh, I am just waiting for whoever is coming out to defend Episode One Obi Wan's. <laughs> uh, Someone's gonna. Yeah. It's not gonna the, be the, me. The tail but... keeps changing sides. <laughs> <laughs> It actually God. does, though. Like, whoever was in charge of hair and makeup was just like, ah, it's going to go on the left this time. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Let's mix it up a little bit. The actually, will of the forest moves I, in mysterious ways. Qui-Gon, philosophically, is actually a fascinating character if you, mm. like, if you dig into it a little bit. Very interesting character. He, he, he doesn't dabble in the dark side, but, like, it's cool that he openly hates what the Jedi Council is about. And that's mm. really interesting. Even if the movie around him is terrible, Qui-Gon is... <laughs> by far the best character in episode one and has so much room for cool stuff based on how he like conceives of the force and the Jedi that obviously never happens. He dies, mm -hmm. the poor man dies, but oh, such a good character, does not get enough love. Qui-Gon is interesting because clearly all they needed to do for him was make him a lovable mentor so that when he dies at the end and is like, Obi-Wan, do this very irresponsible thing, Obi-Wan has to do it. Like, that's really all they needed him to do. But, like, to make him lovable, they also made him kind of a rascal. And it's like, <laughs> psycholo like theologically speaking, in the way that the Jedi Order comports themselves, this makes Qui-Gon much weirder than he initially appears because you're like, wait a minute, he is doing, like, mind tricks on random people. And he's, he's kind of like... Mm is this okay? And like, wasn't he trained by Dooku? What's going on? So, you know, there, there's a lot to read into there. I, I've seen some hot takes about Qui-Gon is bad, actually, which is, uh, I, I don't agree with that, but I, I think it's interesting no. that like, they were shooting for a lovable mentor and they kind of missed. But um, his whole thing is that like, Jedi are supposed to feel, whereas the rest of the council mm -hmm. is like, no emotions, put that shit in a box. It's like the Mormon thing, like just turn it off. Um, yep. But like Qui-Gon's <laughs> the one guy who's like, no, feel. You are supposed to protect people. You are supposed to feel the emotion of love. And all the uh -huh. other Jedi are like, nah, get oh, out of here my... with that. 
here's my hot take. It was really stupid that they never went back for Anakin's mom. Like, yeah. I mean, there was that was only going to end badly. <laughs> it's like, oh, we can't take them both this one time. We'll just, you know, wait 10 years. <laughs> just, you know, ignore her. It'll be fine. So, yeah, whatever. You know, just all kinds of weird decision making in those early movies that have to happen to justify why things happened. Oh, sorry. No, my spiciest take is actually a conversation <laughs> we've had before uh, that the entire structure of the prequels is fundamentally wrong because uh, the original trilogy implies a standard sword and sorcery high fantasy plot of its own, you know, pre prequel story. It just implies all that. It gives it to them. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, if, if you strip away the space thing and you just look at the plot, it's like, oh, yes, I'm from an order of wizards and there's dark magic that corrupts you. And I had this pupil. He was great. He was incredibly powerful. He dabbled in dark magic and, and was corrupted and became evil. And now he's that scary guy over there. Like, that's so easy. And there's a whole standard fantasy plot that forms around it, and they use none of it for the prequels. And that's not subversive, because what they did with the prequels was worse than what that would have been. <laughs> yeah, th that's my hot take, that, like, the, the story of the prequels is practically written in the tropes long before they ever got made, and then they used none of that, and the actual thing they did was boring and weird in a lot of places. You mean you don't want an intense political discussion in the middle of your Star Wars movie? I mean, I, for one, was yeah. fascinated by their trade agreement discussions. <laughs> Strangely, I would have been more interested in watching like evil dark sorcery and wizardry and such mm. like in space. The, the thing is like sword poli fights. politically, the whole idea of like one person playing two sides in a war of factory made armies just getting thrown against each other politically mm. is fascinating, does not belong in Star Wars media unless it's the Clone <laughs> Wars, unless yeah. it's the Clone Wars. But in the movies, it's terrible and doesn't work at all. And the Clone mm. Wars, specifically 3D animated, really, really cool. Where, like, whenever, like, the, the Separatist or the Republic loses a battle, Palpatine's like, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> uh, So that, that's, that's my thing, is, like, the politics are actually cool. They do not belong in those movies. <laughs> yeah. I think Palpatine's whole plan is kind of cool, except it's completely incongruous with his character from the original trilogy. <laughs> Is like, yeah. this, this evil emperor guy, was he really just going to be sitting around like, oh, I couldn't possibly imagine what's going on with the evil guys. And then suddenly he's like, all right, that's enough pretenses. Time to start chucking lightning at people. It's like, <laughs> where, where the fuck did this come from? It, I, I don't know. It's like the, the characters in the prequels are not bad, but they don't fit with what was implied by the original trilogy. And it's easy to lose sight of that because we... We don't just have the original trilogy. I think all of us uh, were like, you know, kids when the prequels were coming out. Yep. So we were like, oh yeah, this is okay, cool. So like, we've never really lived in a world without that, as it were. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you just watch the original trilogy and you like, you, you focus your chi and you, you, you envision what the what the what the events leading up to this universe would have looked like, it doesn't tropey, you know, trope trope wise, it does not produce what the prequels look like and. I think they kind of tried to do something clever by making it more about political intrigue and stuff, but it just didn't, it just didn't work so hot and it probably mm. would have been easier if they just stuck with the tropes. I don't know. Um, all right. Next question. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> that's my be, spiciest take Clearly, for the day. We can be here all day, even though earlier I said, I don't have strong opinions. I was, I was like, about Star Wars? Really? Everyone has I, hot takes on no, Star Wars. No, it's like name a country that doesn't have the letter A in it. It's impossible. When you're put on the spot, you can't do it. Chile. <laughs> My brain was going to say Europe. I'm like, nope, wrong. <laughs> Mexico. Mexico. Yeah. 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 Anyway. anyway. This, <laughs> this next question Please. comes Sorry, from um, OSP Orange, who is one of the Greens brothers uh, and also Feeding America, I guess. That's the other Orange. That's is, other Orange, is Feeding yeah. America, yeah. 
Yeah. OSP deep lore is like an Ouroboros. It, it gets really complicated. <laughs> the OSP deep lore, much like anything beyond the original Star Wars trilogy, uh, becomes an overwhelming web of information of which there is always more to untangle. But always be our, like a and reverse Ouroboros goes up its, it's own never ass. That, it's never that interesting or important. It just exists. Yes. <laughs> uh, anyway, OSP Orange asks, uh, what lightsaber color would you have and why? Mm. Um light blue i know it's like there's like you know red blue green and like purple uh if you're cool enough to be mace windu but like usually in like extended star wars media like games and stuff they have like different shades and different colors and like there is some like orange lightsabers or some yellow or like gray actually gray lightsabers are pretty cool uh but no i like like a nice like icy blue uh i think Mm. big shock (laughs) i I, I gotta say i feel like this is one of those questions that it's kind of like like when you're 15 and you're making your first oc and they've got to be the coolest person on the planet. So it's like, oh, they've got like heterochromia and like natural highlights. And it's all these things that are like cool signifiers, all, all these color choices that automatically make you cool. And then like a few years down the line, when you've made more characters, you're like, actually, I think that it's okay if I make a character that looks more normal and is interesting for other reasons. <laughs> so it's like, what color lightsaber would you choose? It's like, oh, you know, green and blue are like the basic bitch options, but also there's nothing wrong with that. And like, it's not like the colors do anything. Mace Windu having a purple one is useful because you can make him out in the wide shots. That's pretty cool. Uh, but then other than that, it's like, oh, I want this one to be gray because it signifies that I'm morally ambiguous. It's like, okay, cool. So we've reached like, Sonic OC levels of character depth here. <laughs> I get it. So yeah, I, I think unfortunately my answer is I don't care. <laughs> um, it's a calculated response. I don't care for, for reasons that I've thought through. I yeah, uh, really like <laughs> purple lightsabers because they're cool looking. And when I was a child, I had one of those opaque like flip out ones. Um, yeah. Because my brothers had green and blue, and my dad had red because we would always fight my adult father. Um, and I was <laughs> the third person. I was like, oh, I'll get purple. Um, and so I have this deep, deep uh, <laughs> childhood like attachment to that particular color of lightsaber, even though I know like logically it's only because <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson was like, no, 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 purple lightsaber because it'll be cooler. And like there have is, you, have you guys yeah, seen the behind the scenes clip that. of of Sam Jackson asking Lucas if he can have purple? And Lucas <laughs> is like, "No, the Jedi only have 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 green and blue." And Sam is like, "Well, well, come on, but like it'd be pretty cool. Like, can I have it?" And George Lucas is like, "Okay, maybe you can have a purple one." <laughs> that clip Aww. exists online. You can find it. It's so it's wholesome so, and fun. So fun. I love That's that they've adorable. like since kind of like retconned as a lot of the lightsaber colors do have different meanings. Like even blue and green have separations in what they're supposed to mean, and purple is supposed to be like. A Jedi who uses a dangerously close techniques to that of the Sith, so it's like red and blue yeah. combined, which is neat and absolutely not the intent, because obviously <laughs> it's just Samuel Jackson being cool. Yeah. But I'm like, wow, could you imagine having that like force of charisma that you will lure into existence? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think that I've seen... It was cool the first time it happened. You know, it was cool when we saw Mace Windu and it was like, those things come in purple. Yeah. But then, you know, when they started like, oh, gray Jedi, it's a color. This lights are like, oh, okay, cool. It looks like you're fighting with a fluorescent light bulb, but that's fine. And it's like, oh, <laughs> it's a yellow lightsaber because I'm sort of edgy, maybe. I mean, listen, the Sith using red lightsabers and the, the good guys using blue and green, that's like, that's, ah. Uh, I love it. It's so baby's first color theory. It's completely, it's like, oh, look, we got the bad guy color 
and the good guy colors. That's fun. Anything beyond that, and it's starting to get like yeah. silly. Like you're gonna have to start being like, can I have a like a stripey lightsaber? <laughs> can it change color depending on my mood? It's, it's like, like those oh. new like the lights that are all over TikTok where they like change color periodically, but in lightsaber form. So you just like and then it's just <laughs> shifting between all the different colors of lightsaber. That is the for the, oh, the most masterful of the Jedi. Like the gaming backgrounds where they put up those like LED light strips. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. Just like an Alienware mechanical keyboard. God. <laughs> in lightsaber form. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, thanks, Orange, for that question. We got to dive into our cursed head cannons and what the next lightsaber color is going to be there. This next question comes from Marvel Funk eighty nine. To all, are you Team Wampa or Team Tauntaun? Uh. Your animals in um. Star Wars. Yeah, I, I'm going to say Team Tauntaun because they're they're pretty useful for getting around. And then uh, in a pinch, um, makes a lovely house. <laughs> what? Uh, I'm sorry, what metric are we using to judge these? I also don't remember what a wampa is. <laughs> a wampa is the big kind of like yeti looking ice monster that attacks Luke. Um, oh. And then it's the one the, in the cave. In the, in the cave. Okay. And then the Tauntaun is the thing that he is riding and then um, like gets stored inside of later on. Uh, for reasons, I guess. <laughs> well, the, the Wampa is a bad guy, and I always root for the face, so I guess I gotta go for the Tauntaun. <laughs> I, it's the Wampa coming in with the steel chair! <laughs> Sorry, go on. <laughs> no, I mean, I, you know, I'm with you guys. I think the Tauntaun has more uh, practical applications. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Like, I feel like if you put me in the Star Wars universe and you said, okay, you can only interact with one, like, I'm going to pick the Tauntaun because the likelihood of me surviving that interaction dramatically increases. I just, like, can we from talk a design about what perspective, a weird I writing love... choice that was? Sorry, go ahead. Like, I was just going to say, like, I, I love that from a design perspective, the Tauntaun is just, like, a raptor, yeah. but also, like, a goat. But instead of the, the horns being on top of the head, they're just on the bottom. Right. <laughs> it's very stylistically simple. It's like, it's like you know, it, it almost feels like a, a like a Greek mythological monster. It's just <laughs> like, okay, let's just take these sliders, rearrange some parts. Ah, there we go. <laughs> but, like, also, can we talk about how weird it is narratively, just as a writing choice, to be like, and that's when he stores the protagonist in a slit-up dead animal for the night. <laughs> it's like, listen, narratively speaking, the point of that scene is to show us that Luke is getting better with the Force. That's really the only point, because it lets us see him using the actual telekinesis, and it's like, mm -hmm. okay, that's cool. Everything else about, like, we, we got a little bit of like, oh, Han is going out into the snowstorm to get him. Oh, how dangerous, what a good friend he is. That's all we needed from the scene, and they were like, no, you know what, I'll take this to the next level. It's Star Wars has a way of one-upping itself for no reason, and they do this in the newer trilogy with the um, blue milk. It's the same yep. effect. God I'm damn like, it. This is so unnecessary to the point of the scene. Like, we get it. I understand the narrative beat you were trying to convey, but you said, you sat yourself down in the writer's room and you said, you know what? No, we can't just end here. We have to fully alienate our audience for like two seconds. <laughs> we have to make them have an out-of-body experience, but not because they are so fully immersed in the content that we are creating, because what we are creating is so incredibly viscerally disturbing to them. <laughs> We can't just have Han stagger back into base bridal carrying Luke. No, no that no. would be too dramatic. <laughs> we gotta <laughs> completely spoil the mood. God. Exactly. And I do, I appreciate that at least they're consistent and that it is something that happens 
multiple times. <laughs> Not the specific <laughs> of storage of someone inside of a tauntaun, but the one-upping themselves in the writer's room with how um, gross can we make the rules of this world and yet yeah. still people There's watch. always something. There's always something unnecessarily gross. Yeah. Yep. Well, this... Classic Star Wars. <laughs> this next question comes from Tiger. To all, what is your favorite Clone Wars original character? So a character that was originally um, in the Clone Wars cartoon. Um, although yeah. if you would like to, on the spot, make an OC as well, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Do we mean 2003 or 2008? Um, because, it doesn't specify, I mean, so I will say either of them. I think... I. Grievous doesn't count, right? He doesn't count. I guess he can't. Yeah, because I, no, I, yeah, I was going to say that I think that that Dave Filoni did a really good job with with Grievous in the the 3D animated Clone Wars of finding the middle point between how scary he is in the 2003 2D Gendy version and how much of a joke he is yeah. in <laughs> the actual episode three. Goes out like a he punk. straddles that line really well and does so many narrative backflips to make sure that Anakin and Grievous never see each other to preserve the moment <laughs> in episode three where they meet. And Anakin's like, oh, you're shorter than I expected. expected. Which then makes sense because he fights Ahsoka a bunch, who is short. So she's like, oh my god, Master. (laughs) Grievous is so tall. He's so scary. And Anakin's like, oh, you're shorter than I expected. It's It's cute. the, the, The amount of work that was put into the character of Grievous to preserve the fucking meme of him in episode three is such a feat that I respect. Uh, Even though that's not like the answer to your question, Tiger, Mm -hmm. I've got to put that as like the way that Grievous is presented, he may as well be an OC because he is a brand new character in that show. (laughs) But I have the uh, the actual right answer, which is of course, Shaggy the Jedi. (laughs) Shaggy! He only has two lines before Grievous smushes him into the ground, but he's my favorite character. And it's like, like, obviously, he's a Jedi. He has to wear normal Jedi robes, so they give him a green lightsaber to illuminate himself with to get the green shirt effect. Yep. Oh, <laughs> it's, man, that's uh, good. He's got his own Wikipedia page. He does. That's the real kicker. Hell yeah. yeah. I just, as we've yeah. been at, running this podcast, I've been viciously trolling on Wikipedia to see what I can find. I... For for the um for for the uh, the 3D animated Clone Wars, I I think that that uh, Honda the pirate is such mm-hmm. a fun character. Um, so that's another really good answer. He's always so fun in every scene that he's in. Yeah. Um, and it's the meme of like, of course not, we're pirates. Um, that that's always a great one on on our slash prequel memes. So that's my like actual actual answer. In uh, aside from the the shit post that is. Uh, Shaggy the Jedi. Grievous and and oh, Shaggy yeah. the Jedi. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Shaggy. Oh, my, yeah. Of course. Grievous yeah. is a shit post. I think we can agree that General Grievous is a shit <laughs> oh, post. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so we took a terrifying robot and we gave him like horrible throat disease. Yeah, well, isn't that because <laughs> like a uh, smoker for 20,000 years? <laughs> I thought that was cuz Obi-Wan like kind of crushed his um uh, his throat. Mace Windu force crushes oh, his, his yeah. throat at Not the Obi-Wan, end of sorry. um at the end of 3D Clone War, or mm-hmm. 2D Clone Wars, which is so cool because, like, the end of 2D Clone Wars leads right into the beginning of Episode 3, and that was yep. so well done. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. Really I'm going to go on but... about this for hours. <laughs> but yeah, it explains why he has that weird smoker's lung. But the real best thing about the fight with uh, Grievous is the part where Obi-Wan, clearly forgetting himself, tries to kick him and hurts his own leg. <laughs> in the shit. That's it's great. like, ah, oh, Obi-Wan, I mean, it would have worked, buddy, but he is made uh, of metal, and you are not. Unfortunately, yeah. he is a robot. Yep. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, so good. Uh, and then he just goes out by getting shot once, which is really funny. 
Yeah. After yeah, like you get all shot the... three times, you get shot three times. I okay. That's not much better. It's like, oh, <laughs> no. this is the guy who has like six lightsabers and can wield four of them at a time, at least. It's like, whoa, he's so scary, but can he dodge this? And the answer <laughs> is no, apparently. Nope. That's it. You can't oh, make dexterity your dump stat. It's just not going to be a good time for you in the end. I don't know why this is like a thing, because this isn't the only media where it's like, this character's incredibly badass. Oh, but they got shot by a laser once. They did that in like a Dragon Ball movie semi-recently, yeah. and everyone was like, how the fuck did that hurt Goku? <laughs> so... Some I don't powerful know, ass lasers. Have you ever seen the laser? Shit's will cut you up. <laughs> but you know, when you've already established that they can't, and it's like, oh, it caught him off guard. That's why he nearly died. It's like, what do you mean it caught him off guard? Whatever. <laughs> How do you Whatever. catch him off guard? <laughs> Does he have a guard to get caught off of? Oh, who uh-huh. knows? Anyway, we got one last uh, Star Wars question for you for this this bonus episode of the OS Pod. Um, oh, we steal my heart. <laughs> extra content? It's more likely than you think. <laughs> um, this comes from Space Tarts. To all, what is your favorite Star Wars story or arc? So, Ooh. Kind of subdivision yeah. within the different media is a particular, particular arc that you really enjoy. Huh. Oh, man, there's got to be one in Clone Wars, because that's the one that actually did, like, arc subdivisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, was... the, um, the whole thing with... Um... Uh, the, Maul! It's, Sorry, it's gotta be yeah, Maul! It's, it's, it's not the Siege of Mandalore, but it's when Obi-Wan fights Darth Maul on yeah. Mandalore, and it's like the whole thing with like Darth Maul killing Satine, Ugh. and then Sidious shows up and just wipes the floor uh, with him, and Savage Oppressed, the dumbest <laughs> name in Star Wars. The single dumbest name in Star Wars. You don't um, like my boy Savage? Poor Clancy Brown. <laughs> poor Clancy. Hey, you can sell anything. But yeah, I... I I don't just like that part. I like the whole build up to that finding yeah, Maul, yeah, all yeah. the stuff with the Night Sisters, how that kind of loops in with yeah, Ventress's yeah, arc, cool. which was quite cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it that really like deepens the lore. I, I like it because it's like whatever the fuck those ladies are doing, it doesn't seem to be the Force, but it's definitely magic. So what? I, I really yeah. like that. It, it makes yeah. everything feel a lot creepier. And of course, the stuff with my boy Savage, the best <laughs> character, uh, and Maul. And okay, I. I want to rep like the guy who plays Maul in the the cartoon is like really good, just oh, yeah. like voice wise. He he completely yeah. sells this like unhinged, just in agony. This this character who is so far down in his own head that he's barely in clicked in with reality, but he's so dangerous, even though he's also like this this like whimpering, pathetic little thing. And then when he gets his shit together, he like perfectly transitions into being really scary and in control and that performance just that alone makes that yeah. arc just incredibly good but it's also good for other reasons and i like how maul gets built up so far he's like everything's going according to plan he's got kenobi on the ropes and then whoops bigger fish time <laughs> sorry yeah, buddy yeah, you had yeah. your chance so it's, good it's, it's so good i i feel bad that so many people's first exposure to like oh darth maul is back and he is the most powerful crime boss in star wars was yeah. th- at the end of solo where people are like what? Yeah, what when, I thought he it's died. Like, no, no, it's what? so much cooler in Clone Wars. I swear, you know I swear, it's so much cooler in Clone Wars. <laughs> he had a spider butt for a while. It was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love the meme where it's like man surviving on pure spite, and it's just a picture of Darth Maul in the desert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, definitely the Maul arc, and like they they knew it was a game changer. They had the color of the logo change whenever it was a Maul episode. It was yeah. red. So yes. good. Um, yeah. Yeah, that whole that whole thing is such a good arc. And then if you just yeah. want to be angry, uh, <laughs> the, the Pong Krell arc, uh, uh, Umbara. Which one is that? Oh, uh, that's 
Yeah, that's the four-armed guy. Uh, same alien species as Dex from episode two, the oh, barkeep, right. Obi-Wan's friend. Um, <laughs> same same kind of alien. Uh, that guy who just hates clones so much that he like throws them into like the Vietnam meat grinder of Umbara. Uh-huh. Such a good arc for just making you so angry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, they have a few of those. Uh, the arcs where it's like, that's just not fair. Um, and I, I think that's good because, you know, fundamentally Clone Wars 2008 yeah. is a war story. So highlighting the unfairness of the situation is, you know, narratively very good. Um, they, they did that thing with Ahsoka in like season five, right? Uh, where it was the whole, like she was framed and then um, that, that part annoyed me. Yes. Because it yeah, was like, I'm sorry, all... you are an order of like psychic magic space wizards and you can't fi- figure out that like you shouldn't be handling this situation like this. Ugh. Yeah, that was like, I, they clearly had an endpoint they needed to get to, but like the mm-hmm. the mechanics of getting there were a little bit iffy. Um, yeah, they needed yeah, Ahsoka no, gone, was... and then they changed their minds for season six anyway. <laughs> Wait, bring it back, bring it back. Yeah. yeah, whoops, whoops, roll it back, roll it back. Yeah. Oh, uh, I, I don't think I watched all of it, but I do remember they had that arc with the clones finding out about Order 66, and that, oh, yeah, that was, was in, cool. Was that in the final season? I think it must have been, yeah. It was like this espionage thing, because it starts when a clone seemingly goes crazy and kills a Jedi, and like everyone, the audience knows what's coming. It's again, it's the dramatic irony of going into the prequels, but like the clones don't know, and it's being covered up, and they're starting to realize something is weird, and they're supposed to just follow orders, but what's going on? And I I believe the person who finds out does get killed before he can tell anybody, because status quo, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, but that's I, I don't the thing. think that's it's in the final season. Conclusion. I think they, I think they start that oh, arc sorry. Uh, in one of the earlier ones. I think it's in like season four or five. Um, I, well, I thought I, it was the final season when the show came out, but it's not in the, like the, the the wrap up season that came out quite recently. Like, oh yeah, yeah, not. yes, yes. Yeah. I think that's correct. But yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 super good how they have this whole thing of like what the fuck. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. They do a really good job with it. Um, I think maybe in the yeah. main movies, what I do like is in Empire Strikes Back where the bad guy's whole evil plan is, yeah, we're going to kidnap his friends. He's strong enough in the force now that he's going to sense it and he's going to freak out and come running. And it's like, it's such a basic evil plan, but mm-hmm. it works because it's smart. And it's, I don't know, I I kind of like that. Cause, and, and there's a little bit, I'm not sure if it was incredibly obvious, but like, obviously they, they like do really bad things to Han. And when he comes back, he's like, they didn't even ask me any questions. And it's like, of course they didn't. The whole point is to make you hurt so that Luke can feel it and freak out. And like, yeah. yeah. That's smart bad guyness. Like that makes mm-hmm. the empire feel ruthlessly efficient. Whereas, you know, Sidious himself is like not really all that intimidating. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Once no, he starts not, talking, not, not in in the original trilogy, he's not intimidating no. at all. Like Clone Wars Sidious, holy hell! Clone Wars Sidious, um, different but story. Episode even episode three is like doing it's like it seems like he lucks into convincing yeah. anakin to turn to the dark side um, <laughs> he's like oh i'm so helpless won't you save me lightning power and anakin's like yeah, yeah that seems legit i'll help you out mister he's like yeah. come on guys galley, mister <laughs> yeah <laughs> gee willikers you sure i have to kill all those kids if yeah. you want to get well, your the, good sith badge you have to help the old man <laughs> cross the street and then execute order 66 and all of that 
Golly. Help him cross the street and then shoot him in the head. Um, yeah. no, I, uh, one really good arc from, from the second volume of Clone Wars is the entire Battle of Coruscant, which I, I obliquely was referencing earlier. It's super mm. cool because Grievous has the mission to capture the Chancellor, but he tells them, like, you're lucky that I have orders to keep you alive, and Palpatine's like, those orders came from me, you dumb fucking asthmatic <laughs> robot. Uh, <laughs> um, so it's really, really cool how that whole thing plays out. Um, and then, it, you know, there's all the things with, like, the Jedi and like the comms get jammed and it's like that could have been the separatists or someone on Palpatine's payroll in the Republic could have jammed those comms to, to make that happen the way it did mm-hmm. um, so that whole battle is so so cool mm-hmm. even though it's really stupid that like Yoda starts off sitting in the Jedi Council room and then opens a window <laughs> shade and then there's 20,000 gunships in the sky like Yoda you are such a moron in the in the in the prequel trilogy in, in, in his defense he he like clearly senses something is amiss and then opens the window shade. Like, it would you have been, heard it first, you idiot. It would have been so much funnier if he's just like, you know, hobbling into the room drinking his morning coffee and he clicks down the blinds and he's like choo, 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 choo. That uh, would have excellent. been so much funnier. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's some there's some really quality arcs, you know, sprinkled throughout the uh, Star Wars canon and I think we've covered quite a few of them here so we're Coming up on time of this, again, very special uh, May the 4th Be With You OS Pod bonus episode. We had a lot of fun talking about our favorite moments in Star Wars, some of our hot takes of varying degrees of spice, and, uh, <laughs> you know, all the, all the fun stuff that goes into being a fan of this particular franchise, nerdy, beautiful it's mess. World of- it's. <laughs> It's a hard life being a Star Wars enjoyer, even if we don't call it, you know, Star Wars fan. <laughs> it's um, really not it's, that complicated. You just, you know, I mean, you well, don't need I, to like everything about a piece of media to enjoy it. it it's like, you know, you, you go to a buffet and you only take the parts you like, except no, Star exactly. Wars is the buffet. It's, it's very hard to, in a way, to be that person without getting dragged into all of the negativity that surrounds Star Wars. Mm. That was the second half of that sentence. Oh, um, yeah, sorry. It's, it, it is easy to, you know, to just, like, do your, your own thing, but, like, if you dig and get into it, it's like, oh, man, there's so much, like, people are so angry about it. It's just, <laughs> it's just Star Wars. It's not that important. Yeah. Um, but it, it, like- there's so much cool stuff within Star Wars that is is the reason that we enjoy it and talk about it so much. Like, there's cool shit here. That's what's so great yeah. about it. And, like, I'll, I'll criticize it, but the thing is, Star Wars is fascinating media-wise because yeah. there's so much of it, and you can really see a lot of the factory seams on it, which, mm-hmm. you know, when you when you take apart a story, it can make it easier to figure out how it's made, and then you can get better at building your own stories. That, that's my general attitude towards media analysis. And with Star Wars, like... The writing's on the wall, man. The first one is the most basic trope-laden sword and sorcery hero's journey I've ever seen. And then they and build this whole works. universe. It Star works. Star Wars is yeah. at its best when it's simple. Yeah. And it's it's not it's not that that's it. It's just it's at its best when it's simple. And then yep. when people try to overcomplicate it, that's when you hit a yes. wall. That's when you run into the problems. Well, speaking so of There's my uh, hot take. Speaking there of hitting a wall, we are at the we are at time for the episode. So Red, I don't know if you wanna take us oh, out. Damn take it. us away. <laughs> Uh, we'll yeah. Just a prequel meme in there, yeah. make it funny. Yeah, yeah <laughs> screw it. I'll just. Uh, all right, you know what? I think I remember it by now. Uh, <laughs> oh thank you all so much. Oh no, wait, hold on. We need to play the Star Wars music over this. Oh, we can't, can we? I'll no, do. We're an, gonna get DMCA. I will, I will to do help. an acapella um, off version of it for yeah, you right now in the background. To. No, no, we got this. Blue, <laughs> blue. We're gonna make doot doot sounds, and it'll. be this. Ready? There, which doot doot sounds? There are so many songs in Star Just Wars. Just pick one, and that way we'll really fuzz the radar. 
<laughs> oh god. Okay. <laughs> All right. This is gonna go terribly. All right, ready? Uh, but, Three, uh, two, no. one. Yep. Thank you all so much for watching. <laughs> what we saw here. Uh, I'm just going to take off my headphones for this. If you liked what you saw uh, or listened to on this podcast, um, we uh, do uh, normal episodes bi-weekly where we cover our own videos and stuff. Uh, man, I really don't have this as memorized as I thought I did. Um, but uh, yeah, if you have a question for a regular episode, you can go to the Ask OS Pod channel in our Discord and ask it there. Uh, if you want more of our stuff, uh, our channel's on YouTube, and the link is probably in the show notes somewhere, I assume. I can't have my headphones on because I think you're still dooting. Um, anyway, uh, I guess until next time, I have been red. I have been blue. And this has been an utter disaster. <laughs> You are oh, a bold okay. one. Yeah, come on. <laughs> hey. Roll credits on this special bonus episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. Somehow, we'll be back to our regularly scheduled programming on Wednesday, May 12th. Got a question for the pod? Head over to Ask OS Pod on Discord, and if you want even more OSP content, check out our YouTube and Patreon. More content than you could fill a tauntaun with can be found in the show notes below. And if you enjoyed the show, be sure to leave a review and rate us on your podcast platform of choice. I promise it's not a trap.